Um, happy Mother's Day. We're, we're, we're glad that you're here today. We're, we're in the middle of a series, and uh, we're, we're answering questions. And, and um, it's interesting, if, if you have children, uh, especially when they were younger, uh, they, they seem to ask a lot of questions some, sometimes. And, uh, you know, with our kids, it was the same thing. You'd ask them to do something, and then, and then when they're younger, a lot of times, even when they're older, they'll ask why. Like you'll say, uh, honey, you need to put your jacket on, and they'll say why, and you'll say because it's cold outside, and they'll say, well, why? Because you'll freeze, and then they'll say why? Because you'll get sick, and they'll say why? Then you'll miss school. Oh, that's good. I like that. No, uh, why? And then and they, they keep asking questions. Finally, get to the point. You say because I'm the mama. That's why, and I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Okay, any more questions? Right. So, um, but we're in this middle of, of this series of questions, and and so when my kids ask me questions, one of the, the greatest things that have ever happened on the internet is this thing called Google. How many of you love Google? How many of you Google? Okay, how many of you don't know what Google is? No, I'm just saying, don't raise your hand. Uh, I love Google because when my kids asked me a question, I said, why don't you just Google it? And uh, the interesting about Google is, and, and any search engines that are great, is that uh, if you need to fix something, it's there. You need to know how to... Uh, Fish better, it's there. You can find good stuff. That's why I like it. Um, if, if you need to bake a good cake, it's there. If you need to learn how to uh, carve a turkey, it's, it's, it's right there. In fact, they said every day Google answers more than one billion questions from people around the globe in 181 countries in 146 different languages. I, I googled just the word Jesus, and I got 189 million results. It's amazing. Um, and so what we're doing is, we're going through asking questions about God. Not just any questions, but just questions that, that people are actually asking. So what I did in, in preparation for this series, I I read a lot of blogs, I watched a lot of different interviews with many influential Christian leaders, reading different articles, and actual questions that people have over the years, from children to adult. And what I did was I, I kind of compiled what are the most asked questions about God. Not what I would want to know, but, but somebody at work that would sit next to you and say, hey, well, what would you say about this? Or maybe a neighbor, or maybe a family member, because that's the biggest thing. Listen... As we've been talking about in this series, and please, please, if you missed any of the other past messages, please get those. I mean, the first one we talked about, why is the Bible the Word of God? We answered those questions. We answered last week, what is sin? And this week, we're going to probably answer probably the question that you get asked more than any other question. Or maybe even in your own mind, you've asked this question and you've just wondered why. Here's the thing I want to just relieve you today as we go through these, these, these questions. It says, as a believer of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, one of the wonderful things about being a follower of Jesus Christ is, yes, we do walk by faith. Yes, we do believe that it's by faith we come to Jesus Christ. Yes, we do believe that, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that He is God, that He rose from the grave. And we do have evidence that backs that up. But how many know that the activation of our salvation is through our faith in Christ Jesus, that we believe He did all these things, even with all the evidence? And the wonderful thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that you don't have to check your brain at the door to believe these things. 
that actually, actually we have things that back up these claims, specifically what Jesus made. And we're going to talk about that later in our series about the claim of Jesus being God and is that true? We're going to talk about that later. But today, what I want to dive into is the question is, why does God allow suffering in the world? How many of you ever, don't raise your hand, but you just, you thought of that or you had a friend or somebody that asked you that question and you kind of stumbled around it? Because really, for someone that, that, that doesn't maybe follow God or believe in God or an atheist, that's usually their ace in the hole. That's usually the question that they're, if we're going to get any Christian, if we're going to cause them to stumble, if we're going to cause them to mumble over those words, that's the one they're going to say, okay, what about this? Huh? Tell me that one. Why is there suffering? Why? Why does bad things happen to innocent people? Huh? If there's a God, why does he allow those things there? Huh? Answer that one for me. Right. And, 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 and that's a good, good question. Why do some people suffer? Why do some people suffer with cancer? Why do some die young? Why is there so much suffering in the world? Why are there natural disasters that happen? Doesn't God care? If he, if he cared, wouldn't he do something about it? Every single one of us at one time or another have pondered this question or asked this question. And for the person who doesn't believe in Christ, this is usually this point that they try to prove that God doesn't exist. So, in order to understand this difficult topic, in order to understand it correctly, here is where many Christians go wrong in, in the way they interpret the Bible or the way they understand the character of God. And, and, and I call it sloppy theology. Or, or, or very shallow understanding of God and His character. And for us to understand this, we have to understand what the Bible is truly teaching about these things. And, 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 and to be honest with you, the Bible does answer these questions for us. And so what we need is we need a correct understanding of suffering or a theology, understanding of God in dealing with suffering. So first, let me say this. Let me say this as we jump into this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we will not go through times of trial and disappointment. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you will never have problems in your life. When you become a Christian, everything's going to be wonderful and you'll never have another issue in your life. There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches that. In fact, just the opposite is, is taught. We are never promised that we will live a troubled, free life. So the question is, why is there suffering? Or why does God allow it? So let me first tackle why bad things happen to innocent people. In order to understand this, we need to understand the condition of our world and where our world is at today. We need to understand that we live in a fallen world, a world that has rejected God and His truth. And, and, and no better place than this is explained than when the Apostle Paul explains the condition of the human heart in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. We have to understand that we rebelled against God. We are the ones that brought sin into this world. And so because of that, there is a result of our actions. And listen, 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 listen. Oh, listen to me. 
What we're trying to do is when you see people trying to make the world a better place, and that's fine, that's fine, I think we need to do good things, and people, there's a lot of people that do good things, but they're only scratching the surface. It's like putting a band-aid on a, on a gaping wound. It's not going it's, to, it's, it's not getting to the heart of the matter. What Paul does here in Romans 1 is he gets to the heart of the matter. What is the issue in our world today? If you cannot answer the questions, why are we here? Why are we in the mess that we're in today? And, and how do we fix the mess? Natural science cannot answer any one of those questions. They can't. Naturalistic, Darwinistic Understanding cannot answer those questions. The Bible does answer those questions. And until we understand that, we're not going to be able to answer that question. So Paul answers it for us in Romans 1 and tells why we're in the mess that we're in and, and, and how, we, how, how we've come to this mess and then how we fix the mess that we're in. And obviously we understand as followers of Christ, it can only come through him. So let's see what Paul says here in Romans 1. Later, read the whole verse, because, or read the whole chapter, because it's excellent. But listen to what he says. God's wrath on the unrighteous. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of who? Men. Okay? Who, by their unrighteousness, they do what? They suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. So what is Paul saying here? The moment you look up into the heavens and you see the stars and the planet and the galaxies before us, we are held accountable because there's something bigger than us. There's something that says there has to be a creator. But what Paul says man did they suppress the truth that there's some kind of creator and let's seek him. And what they ended up doing is not seeking the creator, but began to worship the created things. And so he says, goes on in verse 20, for this is for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. God has made it simple and clear. God cannot make it any simpler to us. God has given us general revelation through his creation and the creation of us. And then he's given us very specific revelation through his word and through his son, Jesus. God has not hidden himself from us at all. In fact, he's made it plain to us. But because of the hardness of man's heart, they suppressed that truth and began to worship things and not the creator. And so Paul goes on to say, ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they be began to worship the created things. So they are with what? They are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became what? Futile in their own thinking and their own foolish hearts were darkened. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here, he's saying we have become foolish towards the things of God. It's not that man is not intelligent because God gives man that intelligence. It's not that man has, has created wonderful things and have done neat things and have discovered wonderful things. But that's all a gift that God gives man. But man refuses to acknowledge that that gift has been given to God. And we say it is us that have done this. And so what man has done is rejected the truth of God. 
And the rejection of God in this sense says, we do not need a savior. And so what God says is now you're left up to your own demise. The result, here's the result, the result of this foolishness, the result of not seeking God, the result is that we are all affected by the sins of others and the wrong choices of others. So the result of what we see in our world today and the evil that we see in our world today is that man has rejected the truth of God. It's been made plain to him that there's going to be nobody that's going to stand before God that's going to say, I didn't know. Because God's going to say, the minute you saw my general revelation, the minute you looked up in the stars, you were held accountable for what you knew and you refused to seek me. In fact, not only did you refuse to seek me, you blatantly began to worship the created things and not me as creator. And so no one's going to be without excuse. And so because of the evil of man and his own heart, we see the, the devastating effects of sin in our world. So you, you might be sitting here today and, and maybe you are a victim uh, 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 against someone else's sin. Or, or, and maybe you're struggling with God because you're saying, why, why did this happen to me? And, and, and I will never tell you that what you went through is not painful or the memories are not painful. But what I can tell you is that God is near to the brokenhearted and God's justice will prevail. And so, yes, we do live in an evil world. Yes, bad things happen to innocent people, but that doesn't mean that it goes unnoticed. That doesn't mean that God doesn't care or is oblivious to your hurt. And so many of you here today, you have found healing from your past. You've found comfort in Christ, even in the midst of your pain and suffering, because you've come to understand that God has used that even in your life to display his glory and his healing and his deliverance in your life. Good spot for a real big amen. Amen. So you, okay, that's okay. We'll work on it, okay? Listen, you, you, you've come to realize that, that, that God is going to use this to redeem for His good. And that's a true miracle of God. That's a true miracle of God. That even what we see in this world today, and the evil, and, and maybe even the evil that's done against us, or something that, that, that was beyond our control, that was done against us, that God used it to heal you, and even to redeem it for His purposes and his glory. That is a true miracle of God. I, I just love the story of Corrie ten Boone and, and many of you have read her book, The Hiding Place. Corrie ten Boone and her family hid Jews during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands during World War II. And, and what they did was they, they, they hid some Jews in their home and they made a, a, a secret place within their home and behind a closet to, uh, to hide Jews from uh, being sent to the death camps. And, and Corey, many of her family died because of that, but Corey made it through and wrote many books in her experience, died in the early 80s. Incredible, incredible speaker and writer and, and what God had done through this experience through her. And uh, uh, The Hiding Place is just an incredible book. But she witnessed some of the most horrific treatment of people in the, in the concentration camp. But I want you to listen to one of her quotes. as She had to face one of these horrific men that was an evildoer against her specifically. And I want you to listen to what Corey Ten Boone says about this and how Christ helped her through this most horrific history event in the history of the world. And I want you to see what, what she says here. She goes, Even as the anger of vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Christ had died for this man. She's talking about this evil man. 
through Nazi Germany, what she had done to so many people. She goes, Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it was not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. That's interesting. See, she discovered that it's not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on Jesus Christ and what he's done. See, God can take the pain and suffering and redeem it for his glory. Strange as that might seem, and as hard as that is to accept, God still uses it for his glory. You see, God uses the suffering of his only son to purchase us back from the bonds of sin. As strange as that sounds, he uses it for his glory. Do you realize that you're created for God's glory, for his purposes, that God's greatness and goodness might be displayed through your heart, even through the suffering that's gone on in your life. God uses it. For his glory. That, that, that sounds really strange, doesn't it? That sounds like, well, how can God do this? I want you to listen to Hebrews 12 too, And I want you to see how God used the suffering of his son to display his glory. That you and I could be purchased back through his wonderful act on the cross. Hebrews 12 two says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And he's saying, looking to Jesus. We're, we're looking to him. He's our example. He's the one that we want to follow. He says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See what the Hebrew writer is saying here is Jesus endured great suffering. Great suffering for us. Probably the greatest suffering ever Uh, the greatest suffering ever in history because he suffered not only for our sins, not only did he die a brutal physical death, but he had to endure the wrath of God and became a substitute for our sin even though he was perfect. But the Hebrew writer says, for joy, for joy, Jesus endured the shame that the cross brought because Jesus ultimately understood what it would do for you and I. Here's where it gets real. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Here's where it gets real tricky. Here's where it gets difficult for you and I. Well, I know that up here, Pastor Barden, I get that, but how, 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 do I endure, how do I endure that suffering? How do I forgive when I have so much bitterness and anger in my heart towards what happened to me when I was 5 or 7 or 10 or 12 or 18 or 20 or 35 years old? How do I... Pastor Barden... I, I'm just, this is in my mind. I, I, it, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's gripped my heart. How do I endure that? How, how, do I, how do I deal with this? And how do I get through it? See, as hard as suffering is at times, the trial will cause you to grow closer with Christ than anything else will. See, James gives us the answer here. 
And he gives us a, a very interesting answer on, on how we are to deal with all these things. And he says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, here's the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ, our understanding of who Christ is. That he understands all the pain, all the hurt, all the suffering that we've gone through. Jesus was wrongly ridiculed. He was spat upon. He was misunderstood. He was abused. But Jesus endured all that for the sake of God's glory and being obedient to the Father. And I want you to understand something here. Is that Christ is close to the brokenhearted. He does understand what you have gone through. And I wish I could, I, I wish I could explain everything to everybody and why this all happens and what's the purpose of all this. I don't know all of that. I can't answer all those questions. But I do know this. That Christ is faithful. That Christ is with you. That nothing can separate you from his love, which is in Christ Jesus. Christ is the one that ultimately will bring the healing to your heart and your mind when you encompass yourself in his love. And Christ helps those to endure through all that, even when we've been mistreated, even when we don't understand why these particular things happen to us. I know that Christ is faithful. And he uses our pain more than anything else to cause us to grow deeper in him. Amen. Let, let me read you a wonderful quote from Pastor Tim Keller. And he says this. He says, if you believe in Jesus and you rest in him, then suffering will relate to your character like fire relates to gold. Do you want to know who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses? Do you want to be a compassionate person who skillfully helps people who are hurting? Do you want to have such profound trust in God that you are fortified against the disappointments of life? Do you want, a sim- do, do you want simple to be wise about how your life goes? Those are four crucial things to have. But none of them are readily achievable without, without suffering. There is no way to know who you really are until you have been tested. There is no way to really empathize and sympathize with others suffering people unless you have suffered yourself. There is no way to really learn how to trust in God until you are drowning. But God is with us in the fire. He knows what it's like to live through the miseries of this world. He understands. He is near, available to be known and dependent upon within the hardship. He walks with us. But the real question is, will we walk with Him? If we have created a false God of my program, then when life falls apart, we will simply assume He has abandoned us and we won't seek Him. How you respond to the troubles in your life will go a long way towards whether or not you ever, ever, ever develop courage, ever develop patience, ever develop compassion, ever develop sobriety and humility, ever develop any one of those things. Don't waste your sorrows. End of quote. 
Don't waste your sorrows. This is the hardest thing for us to grasp sometimes as Christians because as Christians, I think we've bought the lie that everything has to be perfect in my life. That, that I've got to show that, that um, all the good things that are in, my, in my life are the blessings of God. And how many know that God does bless us? He does in so many ways. But how many know that God can bless us even through the sorrows of our life? Because we know that's where we're going to grow the deepest. Now, I know many times I didn't want to embrace my sorrow. I wanted to deny it and push it away. I wanted that sorrow to be over with now because I didn't like it. I didn't like how it made me feel. I, I, I just didn't. It hurt too much. And I wanted to push it away. And, and I, here's, here's the mistake I made. And, and here's, here's what I did wrongly. Is, is I would say things like, well, when I get to heaven, God will explain it to me. So I would just say, well, um, God, you're going to eventually explain this thing to me uh, when, we, when I get to heaven. And, 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 and that's good enough for me. But what I was doing is I was wasting my sorrow. Not allowing God to do something deeper in my life today by using the excuse that he will explain it to me later. That was pretty good. I wish I got one amen there because I made that up myself. I don't come up with them a lot, okay? So that was a good one, okay? Listen, we all do that because it hurts. And how many know that, 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 that you know, people can help and friends can help and, and, that's, and that's wonderful, but, but sometimes there are things that we go through in our life that I can't look over the fence and say, boy, things look so much better over there, Right? It looks so, I wish my life was, was like that over there. And God says, no, Bard, you're living your life right here. You're living your life right here. And I want to do something in your life, Bard. So stop looking over the fence because everybody else has got problems, right? Listen, listen, it, it, grass always looks greener on the other side until you've got to mow it. Right? Until you've got to mow it. So I was wasting my sorrow. So the problem is, is not when I get to heaven. That, that, how many of you know that's wonderful and we're all looking forward to heaven, right? When we go through our sorrows in life, we're like, huh, that gives us a much more anticipation for heaven, right? That, that, that's, that's, that's not necessarily wrong. But you know what? When I get to heaven, I won't really care at that, at that point. <laughs> right? I won't care at that point. So I can't waste my sorrows and Many people ask, well, well, pastor, you know, where is God in the midst of disaster? You know, it's, it's funny to me that people only ask that during disasters, but not in good times. And I'll tell you where God is. When our church went to Mississippi twice after Hurricane Katrina, just devastating effect along that Gulf Coast, um, Biloxi, and we were specifically in Biloxi, and it was just, it was just a half mile inland. It just got, it, it just, the tidal surge just flattened everything. There's moved houses, blocks, nothing was there. The houses that were there were just completely destroyed, had to be gutted out, had to be, um, so the first time we went, we did, we did just relief. We just basically were gutting out houses, giving food to people, giving water to people, giving clothes to people, working through a dis, uh, disaster relief agency. And what the, the, the best part for me for that whole trip 
was it was fun gutting the houses and handing out water and that was great. You felt like you were really making an impact in that community. But the best thing was walking around the neighborhood and talking to the people that live there. And I'll never forget this one woman. I think her name was Stella. I'll never forget her because she was uh, she lived by herself and she was like she was like Annie Oakley, you know, literally on the front of her porch with a gun. Ain't going to mess with her. Right. She, she was going to fix her house herself. She's going to live there. And she just it was so interesting talking to her because she told you exactly what was going on. She told you the truth. You wanted somebody to shoot from the hip. You talked to her. So I got talking to her and I, I said, you know, is there any we've got clothes. Um, do you need any clothes? Because, yeah, you know, I could use a pair of jeans. And it was just we talked. To her. I said, we'll get you a pair and uh, we'll get you some clothes. And we got talking to her. She goes, can I just tell you one thing? I said, yeah. She goes, look around here. She goes, can I tell you who's doing all the work here? I said, tell me. She goes, the church. The church. She goes, don't, don't, don't listen to the government. She goes, they're all off sleeping in the hotel over there. She goes, I know where you guys are sleeping. She goes, you guys are sleeping in tents over there at that disaster relief aid. I go, yeah, that's where we're from. She goes, it's the church doing the work. You want to know where God was during Hurricane Katrina? God was the one handing out the water. God was the one that was walking the streets, giving clothes to people. God was the one who people in their pews were giving money to help go towards that disaster, to help people that they don't even know, have never met. That's where God was. See, that's the church. See, God works through his people even in the midst of, of disaster. I always remember Rick Warren said this, and I thought it was wonderful. Rick Warren said this about Hurricane Katrina. He goes, Church, this could be our shining moment. When we stand up and say, even in the midst of disaster and hurt and pain, God is there. God is there, even in the midst of our pain and our hurt. God can be there. God can redeem. God can get the glory. And I remember standing there and just being able to pray with, with Stella. It was wonderful. And, and, and she saw what was going on. Because you know why? I, I had access into her life because she saw what was really going on. And so that gave me a platform to share Christ with her because that was the church. And she understood that. I remember hearing this story. Uh, I don't know if it was on 60 Minutes. I can't remember where it was. But there was a... There was a church that had, um, I think it was out of Michigan, and they had a, a, a special um, heart for the Philippines. And they understood the devastating effects that typhoons can bring in, in, in certain parts of the Philippines. And so what they did was they knew that there was a community that lived on the very low part where, where they would be like ground zero for many of the destruction, you know, hurricane force winds and the typhoons. And so what they did was this church raised money to build a solid concrete structure that was very high off the ground that if a because it would be very hard for all the villagers to leave and, and go to higher ground and not much notice so on and so forth but they built this really solid uh, concrete structure that people could go up to to get above the floodwaters because that's where most people would die was because of the floodwaters and so there was a girl from that church who was actually a missionary there and she lived through the devastating effects of the uh, of devastating effects of the hurricane that came last year. And what she did is she got the whole village together when the typhoon was coming and got them all into that building. Every single person in that village was saved. Why? Because the church was there. God was there in the midst of that disaster. 
God was the one that saved all those people, right? Because there was someone that laid on their heart to say, let's build a building to help in that small village in the Philippines that would help them during a devastating occurrence of a typhoon. And every single person, and listening to that girl, younger, she was in her 20s, listening to her speak her heart, share her heart on this secular program was just, I was, my jaw was just dropped down because I'm like, that is so cool. And I go, what a, what a great illustration that in the middle of devastation, God is there to save us. And that God uses it for his purpose and his glory. Psalms 34, 18 says this. It says, the Lord is, is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. So, so, so don't feel that, that, that you're alone. In, 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 in your suffering or, or in the things that you've gone through. The Lord is, is near to you. And, and he, not only is He near to you, but, but He saves those that are crushed in spirit. And, and I love, this is one of my favorite verses. John sixteen thirty three. This verse was pivotal for me when my wife and I lost our first child 19 years ago. And I want to tell you, when you go through something that's devastating in your life and you can't explain it, how many of you know it's so easy in your life when you can explain something like, okay, that's the reason why it happened, and you're like, I can move on, right? But how many of you know when something happens that's beyond your control, something in your health, whatever it is, bad choices that people make, and you're like, man, why, why did this happen? Why? You know, it's so hard, and, and you're kind of left with uncertainty. This verse gave me so much comfort. Because the promises of God are always there. Jesus never promised us that we weren't going to go through difficult times or that that things wouldn't happen. But he did promise us one thing, that I'm going to give you my peace. And I love this verse in John 16, 33. It says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. But in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I have overcome the world. All the evil, all the destruction. And here's our promise. That God, one day, is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And the promise for us today, people, is that there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more taxes. There's no more weeds to pull out of your gardens. It's me yesterday, right? No more weeds, right? You just it, Things just grow automatically. You look at it, they grow. And they're right there for you. You can eat them, right? Um, there's going to be no more thing called fishing. It's just going to be called catching, right? No more suffering. It's, it's the way it's going to be in heaven, right? So, so listen, here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. Yes, it, it is hard. Yes, 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 God uses the pain uh, and the suffering. But, but listen, l- let me just say this as we close. Let me just say this as we close, as we wrap this up. As hard as what you're going through, I almost made the mistake of wasting my sorrows and my suffering. 19 years ago, when I began to seek the Lord, and to say, God, what, what are you showing me? I, I want to know you more, even, through, even though I'm hurting. 
And, and I, I, I'm just, my heart is ripped out. I just want to know you. I want to know you. And the thing about Jesus Christ is that he shows himself faithful. He's so good. He's so good. The other day I'm getting the leaves out of our front of our yard and there was a, a, a rose bush there so I'm trying to get the leaves out. And I forgot we put, we had a little plaque for Bailey's birth and her death and it was underneath it. And I totally forgot. And as I'm clearing out the leaves, it was there and it kind of shook me because it was the day she was born. But then I look back over those 19 years and I just see how God, little bit by little bit, restores our heart and restores our hope in Him. Now, I wish I could tell you, well, here's the reason why. Wah, 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 right? And slap some scripture verse on it, right? But how many know that doesn't always work all the time? As nice as people are and they try to help you. All I know is looking back over 19 years, as I see little bit by little bit how Christ kept coming to me and coming to me and reassuring me of his faithfulness and of his goodness. And he took that sorrow, that deep sorrow, the brokenness in my heart, to use it to do a deeper work than nothing else would. Do you get that? He wanted to do a deeper work in my heart. And what it did for me, it changed the way I preached. It changed the way I looked at suffering. It changed the way, just the compassion in my heart for other people, what they're going through. It just, things change. Don't they change that you're going through? They just change, don't they? And it just changed in my heart. And I just thank God that he never left me or forsook me. So I wish I could explain to you every single one of your situations and why. I, I don't know why, but I know one thing. Don't waste it. Seek the Lord and allow him to show himself faithful to you because he will. And he's such a good God. I like what C.S. Lewis says here. and I'm going to close with this. I like what C.S. Lewis says here in The Problem of Pain. He says, we can ignore pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Maybe God is trying to get your attention. Allow him to grab your attention. Allow him to do something deeper in your life. Take that sorrow that you're struggling with now, that you're battling with now. If it's something that you've done that was just dumb because of sin, then you repent before the Lord. He brings forgiveness. Amen. But if it's something that's beyond your control that you know, I don't know why this is. God's using it for some reason for you to cause you to grow deeper in him and allow God to use that sorrow to deepen your character in Him and watch God get the glory. Watch Him grow deeper in your heart. Watch Him do things that He could never do otherwise. Right? Because during the goodness of our lives and the things that happen that are good, how many know I don't depend on God during those times? 
But it's during the struggle, it's during the pain that God automatically causes me to grow deeper to Him. So let me pray for you today. And as the worship team comes forward, we're going to we're going to close in song today. And, and we're, we're going to be brutally honest here this morning because there's some of you here today that you're just struggling. There's some pain. There's some things in your heart. There's some questions that you're, that you're, that you're wondering about. I, all I can tell you is this. When forgiveness is offered, it breaks that chain that is attached to, to your past. Whatever that bitterness is, when you offer forgiveness, it breaks that chain that's been holding you down. See, that, that bitterness and that resentment that's in our heart because of what happened to us only keeps us in prison, not the other person. And we need to be set free today to allow God to do the deeper work in our heart that only He can do. So whatever that is, say, God, use. And this is going to be probably the hardest prayer you've ever prayed. But you're going to, this is how you've got to pray. God, use this sorrow in my life that I may grow deeper in you. The minute you do that, now you give God access to do that deeper work. Now you give God access to say, okay, God, I mean business, and I want you to do that deeper work. So, so whatever that sorrow is, and I don't want to minimize it. I'm not saying you're not hurting or the pain's deep, but open it up to give Jesus that access in your heart that he might do the deeper work that he's desiring to do in you. I, I wish Christianity could just be linear, packaged, Put a bow on it, put some good smelling potpourri and say, just come to church, sit in your pew every week and everything will be hunky-dory, right? It's not that way. How many of you know it's not that way? Life stinks at times. It just does. Life stinks at times. It does. Just be ready. It stinks. But guess what? God is good. God is a good God. You've got to understand his character, that he's working for our good. And I've got to trust him. Because he knows what's best for Bard and Gerace, not Bard and Gerace. So Lord, as we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, I, I know there's some that are struggling today. I know there's some that are just going through some deep pain. And, and, and God, I, I'm sorry this isn't a fluffy Mother's Day message, but Lord, I, I just feel we need to, there's some people that just need to hear this today, to know that you are there, that you are available that you want to bring the healing, that you're going to take that suffering, that pain, and, 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 and use it for your purposes and your glory, God, that we might grow deeper in you, that we might be that finished product that you desire us to be, God. So, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to trust you. And so, Lord, I pray for every person here today, no matter what they're going through today, that they would allow themselves to give you access to do the deeper work to cause us to grow deeper in you that we've never been before. That's the hardest prayer we will ever say when we say, God, I'm availing myself to you to grow deeper. I'm going to avail myself. And it's, it may not be easy, but Lord, I know you're going to be with me. I know you're close to the brokenhearted. And I'm going to find a joy that I would never find otherwise. So Lord, as we're going through this pain and this trial, thank you for the peace that you give us. Thank you for the hope that we have knowing that you've overcome this world. We thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just touch every heart in this place today as they put their trust in you and as they don't waste their sorrow, but in fact embrace it for your glory, I pray. In your glory alone, I thank you, Jesus, 
for using it to cause me to draw closer to you. I thank you for that. We give our lives to you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let, let, let's, let's stand. Amen. And um, just great words to this song. Just let it minister you as you give your heart to the Lord today. God bless you as you just sing this to the Lord. Amen.
Those are some hard words to sing when we feel like the waters are, are, are overflowing over us. And, but Jesus, you're right there with us. And you're helping us through it. And I, I just pray that for every person here today that, God, they would just know that you're there, that you're encompassing them, that, that God, you're right there with them every step of the way. So, Lord, we just put our trust in you and we know that our faith is going to deepen in you because of that. And for that, we're going to trust you. As hard as it may be, we're going to trust you, Lord. So let us get a new vision of you. Let us wear new lenses how we look at you, God. That you're loving, that you're caring, that you're compassionate, that you even use our sorrows to deepen us in you, God. So Lord, I just thank you for your people, God, and for your word today. May we just go in your grace and the knowledge that you're always there, that we can trust you, and we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, 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 amen. Good spirit here. Amen. 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 Listen, if... Uh, and you're here today, and you just our prayer partners will be up front to pray with you. Whatever you're going through today, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, enjoy the beautiful weather. Happy Mother's Day. Go in God's grace. Amen. God bless you.